That's right, Bruiser Nation. We are back for another edition of the Bruise Cruise Podcast, Episode 4. I told you, I love ladder matches. From 2001, Edge vs. Christian for the Intercontinental Championship. And from 2009, Edge vs. Jeff Hardy for the World Heavyweight Championship. So get all of your necessities. We are about to dock at our first port of call, Edge vs. Christian for the Intercontinental Championship in a ladder match. So a little bit of background into this matchup. Christian had turned heel by using a chair to take the Intercontinental Championship from Edge. And this storyline was very similar to the Bret Hart and Owen Hart rivalry where he's trying to step out of his brother's shadow. I mean, the only difference is Edge and Christian were kayfabe brothers. Owen and Bret were actual brothers. Pretty similar in how they went about it. It was very creative how they did the fake phone call. Oh my God, there was an accident. We gotta go, Edge. We gotta go. And as soon as Edge goes, why didn't they call me? They run into the Alliance. This was shortly after they bought WCW, so we had that whole alliance angle going all in the middle of this. Edge and Christian really helped to take the ladder match to new heights along with Jeff and Matt and the Dudley boys, and so back when this was happening, and again now, I was really excited to be able to go back and and watch this matchup because they had changed the ladder match so much by the way they took it to another level when they started doing the tag team ladder matches and the history between these two alone not even storyline wise but they did grow up together and a lot of a lot of ladders i didn't count i'm gonna guess there were about 37 ladders out there but woo, edge had some creative spots there like he did a quick baseball slide into the ladder with christian was on the outside he didn't even hit the ropes he just real quick powerful baseball slides they made a bridge with the ladder on top of two chairs they were so ahead of their time because we see that a lot more now this was 2001 it's 2020 a lot of the spots that these two did have been tweaked i'm not going to say redone because every guy does try to do it their own way and set it up a different way but most of you probably know that are listening to this that they were way ahead of their time but if if you have fallen out of your love of wrestling and you don't watch it as much anymore that that's where you see how far ahead of their time that they truly were the psychology in the match was perfect they used all the little tricks that they had developed as a tag team and they applied it all to their singles match for the Intercontinental Championship. And that's really important all the time, but sometimes you you have to be able to do that, especially when you've known someone for so long. You need to be able to pull out all these tricks that maybe you did to other guys, but you got to be able to do it to each other. And the finish, the finish, that finish was great. Not as good as the next one, but it was pretty great. Edge had Christian laid up on two ladders, puts a chair under his head, climbs another ladder, and delivers the concerto. It looked vicious. And Christian just kind of rolls off the ladder. And that was all the moment Edge needed to grab that Intercontinental Championship once again. And this wrestling fan's humble opinion that the, the right guy went over with the story they were trying to tell 
where Christian was in his shadow and he was doing all this dirty stuff, attacking them from behind in the locker room, lying about their parents being in an accident. The baby face had to win this one. They had to do the payoff. Now, if they would have done a regular rematch for the Intercontinental title match at this pay-per-view and then a ladder match, then yeah, Christian should have won. But since they went to the ladder match so quickly, that stipulation almost required the baby face to win so they could end the rivalry. Your main excursion of the Bruce Cruz podcast for the World Heavyweight Championship, the Rated R Superstar Edge, the current champion, and his challenger, Jeff Hardy, in a ladder match. I wasn't kidding. I love ladder matches. A little bit of a backstory here for this one as well. They had a rivalry for nearly a decade as tag teams in these ladder matches. I talked about it a little bit before. These guys were really ahead of their time when it came to these matches. And again, 37 ladders are around the ringside area. It might be 57 this time. This was like eight years apart they did tend to multiply over the years to where i do think they go a little overboard that they go a lot overboard with those ladders out there we know there's a ladder match you don't have to show me 800 times i'm very well maybe watching this particular show for this ladder match i don't need 87 of them I mean, maybe in like Money in the Banks because there's so many guys, but even still, it's already crowded with eight guys. Do you need 57 ladders? I digress. The build used everything from that first match at No Mercy 1999 all the way up to 2009 and a little bit of everything in between for the build up. Most feuds like this, it doesn't take long for ladders to get involved. There was no need for the feeling out process that you see in, in some wrestling matches and some ladders matches because they've been feuding for so long but a really awkward spot edge tried to like face plant jeff into the ladder by throwing him in the air and it just didn't work and the ladder twisted and jeff fell awkward i mean good thing he didn't like get seriously hurt because normally in wrestling that's when when injuries happen when something awkward and weird goes down edge ever the creative mind it's gotta be because he's canadian he made a jeff hardy sandwich with a ladder Jeff Hardy's in between one ladder. He's right in the middle. And then he put him in the sharpshooter. Like, who does that? Like, where did that even come from? I forgot. It's been over a decade since this match. So sorry to say I did forget that Edge did that little Jeff Hardy sandwich sharpshooter spot. And then Jeff gets his little bit of time to shine. He gives Edge that vertical suplex that's not a vertical suplex. You know, he lifts him up, but you kind of toss him forward. Normally it's on the ring ropes and they bounce a little bit. Yeah, no, this time he did it on an upside down ladder. And I I bet that hurt because those little support braces, not only are they thin, but you know, they have nuts and braces on the braces. And that probably hurt more than a lot of it's like dug in. It was like, uh, you ever had that feeling where it shouldn't hurt because it's not really like it's a little thin piece of metal. Those are the ones that always hurt the most. You guys know what I'm talking about. I mean, paper cuts fall in that category. A podcaster's note. No wonder Jeff Hardy had an addiction issue. So much of his offense did way more damage damage to him than than it did to the guys he was in the ring with i mean my god i haven't watched a jeff hardy in his prime matchup in a long time and man that thought that guy just 
throws his body at everything. He doesn't even care. He got himself a nice little whisper in the wind spot. He set up the giant ladder in the corner, climbed it, and it was pretty quick too. It wasn't that BS stalled climb you get when you're going for the title. You guys know what I'm talking about. No, it was like a legit real quick climb and he did that whisper in the wind move on edge. The spot of the match, the high spot, if you will, of this matchup, these two made a bridge out of a ladder, the ring apron, and the barricade. And then decided, because they probably talked about this before the match started, that it would be a great idea to set up a ladder, one of those giant ones, on the outside, and let's climb it like we're going for the title even though we can't reach it. They start brawling up there a little bit and they just go toppling over right through that ladder bridge. And oh my days, did Jeff Hardy bounce when he hit the ground. The creative spot of the matchup goes to where they had two ladders set up basically in each corner. They were the big ones, so they were closer. You know, Edge goes for that pull out the bag of tricks of Spear and Jeff Hardy in midair from WrestleMania 2000. I think it was WrestleMania 2000, but Jeff turned the tables on him and hit him with a twist of fate. That was the, the creative spot of the match. It wasn't the high spot. It wasn't the finish, but it was like, okay, we're getting ready. We're going to go home after we do this little creative twist on that uh WrestleMania 2000 spot. This finish, this finish was all parts creative and hilarious. They're both on the ladder, duking it out. Edge knocks Jeff down just a little bit. They weren't very high. Jeff landed on his feet, took out Edge's legs, and now Edge gets pulled through the the rungs on the ladder and he's just hanging there dangling his legs and Jeff just climbs the ladder and grabs the title it was just so funny to see like Edge 6'5 like his upper body and arms are sticking out from the ladder and his legs are kicking and dangling under the ladder it was hilarious and now Bruiser Nation we do come to a, a special part of the Bruce Cruz podcast. From time to time, I will honor people in history. And in accordance with Martin Luther King Day happening Monday, I decided I would pay tribute to Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Now you may ask, why does some white dude from the suburbs care about Martin Luther King Jr.? And I'm delighted to answer that question. I didn't experience racism. Some of my friends did. And it's a shame that after all this time, we still have American citizens that are bigoted racist. And they should be ashamed. I didn't experience racism. But I didn't experience racism. Some of my friends did. And it's a shame that after all this time, we still have American citizens that are bigoted racist. They should be ashamed of themselves. All they see is the color of someone's skin, not the content of their character. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. Let us not seek to satisfy our thirst for freedom by drinking from the cup of hate. Those were just two small quotes from Dr. Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech. And I kind of picked those because it's still relevant today and it's gross. Bruiser Nation, it's gross. We should be able to just honor this 
this man and not at the same time, damn, who else thought Dr. Martin Luther King, great guy. And then as soon as you think about it, damn, we're still fighting this battle. After all this time, we're still fighting it. Racism should have been eliminated from this country years ago. The color of your skin does not make you who you are. Your actions in life make you who you are. And it's time, and I hope there's some racist bigot listening out there. It's time. It's time to wake up to hate someone just because they're a different color. It's ridiculous. It's 2020. Now to all you people that are like me, I'm kind of cool with everybody. Try to be nice until it's time to, you know, not be nice. Haha, <laughs> Roadhouse. And to Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., thank you for everything you did for your community. You brought a lot of change. I don't want to make it sound like I'm saying nothing happened. Your words and your assassination did eventually bring a lot of change, but we still have a long way to go, Bruiser Nation. So Dr. Martin Luther King, thank you. Thank you to his family. Condolences to his family. And thank you, Bruiser Nation. I'll see you next Thursday, right here on the Bruce Cruz Podcast.